Nice to see everybody out this morning. Last night I, well, I guess we had a our monthly picnic planned for today and the, weather, the way the weather's been going we decided to call it off and then last night I thought well we probably could have had it because it was such a such a nice evening and I was out till close to 10 and I thought well I guess we could have had it but then woke up at about 1 and 2 and it was just pouring rain at our place just coming down so it changes I mentioned that we were we were in looking at the first epistle of John Bible study the other night and maybe some of you wonder how we pick our text sometimes and it's it's not very scientific but I, I, I just during the course of Bible study I just read some of this in the page right beside it, the third chapter of Second Peter, so so we'll read the second chapter read the third chapter of Second Peter. I'll read the 18 verses, the, the entire chapter. Reading these words in Jesus' name. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of, the, of us apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the watch, in, in the which the heavens shall pass away, with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening under the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking of them, speaking in them of, of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as do they also, as they do also with other scriptures under their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I don't know why. It's just me. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be multiplied unto each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. Peter is speaking of of people, I guess, that have have grown cold in their faith. 
And I, and I believe he's even more so speaking of people who mock Christianity. Hopefully, hopefully no one that knows the power of God and the power of this word, the power of salvation, would ever fall into that. Because then that, that falls into the unforgivable sin that it speaks about in Hebrews. There, there won't be any turning back. But it, but, but to those of us that believe, I think it's warning us that don't be surprised if, if we find people mocking something that is very dear to us in the last times. I believe we're living in the last times. And these things, the, the little quip at the top of the page says, apostates and scoffers, the day of the Lord. And we see here how how people are saying that, well, we'll just get into it here. Where is the promise of his coming? Where, what, what's happening? Everything seems to be remaining the same all the time. Starts out, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. I believe he's saying there that, that that which we have received maybe sometimes gets to us in our natural thinking a little bit boring or that we've heard the same thing over and over again. I remember Brother Carl, Judy, Shane's grandpa saying that he gets up here and he just speaks the same thing over and over again and, and he wishes he had something more exciting or, or has those thoughts at times. I wish I had something more exciting to bring. But this is our natural minds playing with the new man, the old man playing with the new man. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it that way. And this text reminds us that it can't get much better than than what we have been given and we have. It can't it can't get better. I shouldn't say much better. It can't get better. We have, we have the hope of eternal life. But the unbelieving world maybe it's different for different individuals, but they, they probably run from, from wondering why a person could take a book like this and somehow study it and know it and it becomes a part of us. We know that through the knowledge of this word, we learn that that Jesus dwells, and we teach our little children right from the time they're born that Jesus dwells in our hearts. It's a promise that is put forth in the scriptures, and these promises are sure. And they, God does not ever renege on any promise he's made. But the unbelieving world might wonder how that can happen. Or they, they question who wrote this book. How, how, could anybody, how could anybody write a book like that? Amy and I were talking some months ago here. And, and we know that, this is what we're talking about, is that if you, if you go through these scriptures in, in, in diligence and sincerity, that... Nobody could do it. I agree with the unbelieving world. Nobody, nobody could do that. Nobody could write this book. Nobody could put these words down that are, are living. And as we read in, well, we read it the other night in Bible study, that, study that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life. And we know that in the, in the first chapter of John, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This Word of life became flesh and dwelt among us. And I've gone into these things before, and, and our, our human understanding cannot, we can't even begin to comprehend how, how God and Jesus are one and that 
they have always been, and that God sent Jesus into this world. And my mind always goes that way, thinking that how come he didn't come just drift out of the skies or come down from heaven, but he came into this world like you did and like I did. In, in some pretty mean conditions. And he revealed himself. I, be, I believe that even, even that, what we call Christmas night when he was born, he began revealing himself to mankind. Probably his parents first. And those that were around that stable. This is how God sent his son into the world. He left his father. And the beauty which is heaven. And came here for us. Excuse me. Try and explain that to some unbeliever. We, we don't have it explained to us. We believe it by faith. This word has, has given us that understanding that by faith we can believe. This chapter that I read talks about how we have to hang on to that faith. Don't let it go. It's precious. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. We talk about being led by the Holy Spirit. We talk about, we sing the song. It's like a children's song. Trying to walk in the steps of the Savior. Stepping in the light. We strive to do this. God gives us a will. When a, when a person believes, and, and we can talk about a childhood believer I feel I've believed all my life, but I know that there were years went by in my teenage years where where my my walk became pretty sloppy and in the light of this word unacceptable. I had to come to a repentance. I had to put things away, specific sins and acknowledge that we are sin in general. And I was free. I was very, very, very free. And all our lives we, we fight this battle back and forth because we are so much. We live in this world and it's all around us. We live in this world and we fight that battle of faith. Thanks be to God that we have that chapter on faith. And it tells about the old patriarchs. Enoch and Abraham and Samson and those ones. How by faith they did these things. At the end of the chapter, it's, it's so beautiful. What shall, I, what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith, did they perform magic? I don't think so. It says, who through faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Speaks of David there. We know how the story goes. Stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And I always think, what a, what a band to belong to. But then it goes on, and it says that they suffered things also. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And then it says, women received their dead, raised to life again, others were tortured. 
not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. We're going on, we're going on to better things. Others had trial of, of cruel mockings, of scourgings, yea, over of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. I'm not sure I want to belong to that band. But it goes all together. We, we live in a country where we don't have to worry about persecution and torture too much at, or at all. But I like this part. It's so encouraging. Of, the, of whom the world was not worthy. The, word, the world is not worthy of a man who will suffer for his faith willingly. We don't, we don't feel worthy to be children of God. But here it says the world is not worthy of these people. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise. We believe in the promise. We have that promise in our hearts. We haven't received the reward yet. The great reward will be when we can stand before Jesus and hear those blessed words. Come ye blessed of the Father. Inherit this kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So these scoffers that we're going to encounter in the last days say, where is the, where is the promise of his coming, coming for the sin? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant. We have this thought that we don't have any choice in anything sometimes. This is voiced. Here the word tells us we have a choice. It says they're, they're willingly ignorant of this fact. They choose to be ignorant. They don't spend time in this word. They haven't been given faith to spend time in this word. We don't, we don't even have to hold that against them. When a person hears this word, it doesn't matter where it is or how it's proclaimed or how, how it comes about. We hear one or two words. Or, or maybe a sermon, or maybe a read something, or how it comes to us. If we come in contact with this word and reject it, we're in a very sad place. But if we come in contact with this word, and do like, and I'll go back to the faith chapter. I read the tail end of it, now I'll read the first part. Without faith it is impossible to please him, meaning God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of of them that diligently seek him. We come in contact with this word. It lights a little fire in us. And that fire can grow. When Jesus talks about the smoldering flax... I get that picture, maybe it's just me, maybe other people get a different picture, but I get that picture that this little blade of flax or, or some plant is dried out and it's, it's got a little spark has come to it. And, and you blow on that spark and it starts glowing. And after a while a little fire starts. I believe that's how faith comes to the individual. It says here that these people, these scoffers, are willingly ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overshadowed with water perished. That, that covers, I don't know how many hundred years, that, that little verse there. I was reading in Revelations and it says that there was a firmament, firmament 
made, which I believe to be the sky, what, what we look out and see the sky. And somehow, and we have to believe these things by faith, because our my natural mind can't comprehend it. But he said there was water above the firmament, and there was water below the firmament. And this is what it's speaking of. They don't want to believe this. It doesn't make any sense. And they like to believe something that may se- makes sense to them. It says they're willingly ignorant of this. And then the sixth verse says, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. It talks about the flood. Was it, was it a year that that took place? I forget. And we know that the, the word says that won't happen again. The earth won't be destroyed the second time by flood. But it will be destroyed by fire. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word. See the word does all the work. By the same word are kept in store. Reserved unto fire against the day, day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved. Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And I can't stand here and explain to anybody what that means, except I understand this much, that with God, time is such a small factor that it's, it really doesn't even enter into the picture. With us, time is a big thing. We try and get so many hours of sleep every night. We try and get so many hours of work in every day. We try and take our breaks and stop at noon and, and have lunch and all these things. And we're continually looking at the clock. And the more civilized, I'll use that word, we get, the closer we have to keep schedules. And, and, and that's what makes this world turn or work. We can't tell somebody... Uh, I've I've had items or vehicles or something for sale sometimes, and, and somebody will phone up and they'll be there in two hours and they don't show up. They don't they don't worry about it. I, I I don't understand that because being in business like I was, I had the plumbing business and Jordan and I had the rototiller. And if you tell somebody you're going to be there at nine, you better be there at nine. It's it's right and it's good business. But some people don't care about it. They phone up and say they're coming and they don't worry about it. So time really, they're not living by the clock that much. Maybe, maybe something else comes up and that's more important. But time is nothing to God. And I get a little glimpse of it sometimes in the animal kingdom. When I have some cows around and, and, and you watch the birds and, and wildlife and if you scare up a deer, it seems like you could stand there for an hour. If that deer doesn't really know what scared it up, and you don't move, time time is nothing. An hour is nothing for that deer to stand there and just be totally still. And birds do the same thing. And I, I, I get a little picture of how, how God <coughs> operates. When, when he's timeless and, and I don't think he has to wear a watch it says the day of the Lord or it says one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day so these people that are complaining that when, when, are, when are things going to happen they're, they're they're dealing with time here. God is dealing with eternity. The word teaches us right from the beginning to the end that we shouldn't neglect salvation. Some of us have, have known of this word and the power of this word from before we could walk or talk. Others have not known anything about it by the circumstances, the family they've grown up in, or culture. They know nothing about it. Old people. They know nothing about this word. Jesus sent his disciples out 
after he rose from the dead, go out into the world and tell people his message. Tell people the, the message of salvation. It's going to cover the whole earth. I think it's awful close to that right now. Probably not too many areas in the world that haven't, haven't known anything about Jesus and a Savior. And here it warns us to be ready. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are in shall be burned up. I can't comprehend how that's going to work, but I've said before that if this earth went off course, which is a miracle in itself, that the planets stay on course because of the weight of one planet or another being different, their different distances out from the sun. But if the earth went off course or any other planet and went into that gravitational force of the sun, it would happen in minutes that we would, we would be destroyed by fire. What, what kind of a uh, ball of fire is that? That is a million times the size of our planet Earth. And flames, the scientists anyway, they, they seem to have come up with these things. Flames that rise 80,000 miles off the surface of the sun. It's quite a ball of fire. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I'll leave that in God's hands, but I'm just, my imagination goes there, saying that could, that could likely happen. I'm not, I'm not here to say how it's going to happen. It's going to happen like a thief in the night. The ten virgins were all slumbering and sleeping when the bride came. Or the, the, uh, the Lord came. They are the bride. The bridegroom comes. Comes like a thief in the night. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the, all, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. There are faiths that take that verse out of Scripture. They have no understanding of it. They probably think it's a mistake. And they would rather believe it's not going to happen that way. Let's, let's leave it in there. Let's not change this word. Let's not make it into something else. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, we're all going to be gone. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? God isn't trying to, this word and Jesus and, and our Heavenly Father, not trying to scare us into, into believing. He's presenting us with the facts. And basically saying, think on these things and give it lots of serious thought. Make sure that things are right in your life. When, when Isaiah came to Hezekiah, he said, you're going to die. Put your things in order. It didn't mean he's got to straighten out his books and, and, and get ready to go that way. He meant this, your life and your heart and your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Get that in order. Because you're not going to, you're not going to go make it. You're going to die pretty quick. The prayers went up, and God answered those prayers, and He gave Hezekiah another fifteen years. It's a it's a miraculous story, and what happened there. But that's what Isaiah told him: get your things in order, get your house in order, 
So what's it, what it says here is we know these things are going to take place. And as we near the end of time, and as some of us are getting older, we might not see the physical end of this world, but we'll see the end of our existence in this world. Get Make sure your heart is in the right place with your maker. And how does our heart get put in the right place? There's not, not much we can do about it, is there? But we can believe in these promises. And the promises say that if we come to that understanding that we're a sinner, and our our very being, our, our man-made understanding, and that our at enmity with our Heavenly Father, confess these things and, and admit that this is the case, what can I do? We can have a brother or sister lay their hands on us and command us to believe. And we use the word encourage, but command might be better. Just believe. Don't doubt. Don't give yourself six months to think about it and make a decision. Simply believe. That's what the word always encourages us, to believe. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God? We anticipate this day. We don't don't get up in the morning, I don't get up in the morning and look out my south window and I see a nice field this time of year, green and trees. I don't anticipate or hope that this all gets burned up today. That's not that's not the point. But would we be happy if Jesus came? Yes. Great happiness, great joy. The old things are going to pass away. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. We can't comprehend this place that Jesus has prepared. God has prepared heaven for for the believer. We look for new heavens and a new earth. Not this, not this place. And I, I have a weakness for for mechanical junk. But the Bible tells us that it is continually rusty and and decaying. Doesn't matter if you built the the most, most fancy house on earth, and and we talk about this president in the U.S. below us and how he's got these fancy gold lined mansions and apartments. And, it's all decaying and dematerializing and eventually it's going to burn up. These are things men seek after. These are standards men seek after. Maybe I can have a little of this in my world. Gold-lined living room or whatever it might be. The scriptures tell us not to put our stock in these things. I... I I hope I'm not just making excuses because because I'm mechanical and I enjoy puttering with mechanical things. Somebody else likes to swim or ride horseback or fly or whatever their hobbies might be. All these things are going to pass away. We look for new heavens and a new new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Can, can can I, can you imagine a place where there's no sin? There's no one person looking down on another. There's no hunger. There's no death. There's no tears. None of these things that we get so used to in this 
in this life. And someone close enough to us goes, and it's pretty hard. We, we read, read the obituaries in our little paper, and, and then somebody that you know quite well goes, and that's in there, and you might go to the funeral. It's hard. These are all things of this life. These things are going to pass away. We can't, we can't imagine a place where none of these things will exist. No hunger, no heat, no cold. Revelations, it explains a little bit about it. And the best we can comprehend is that it says that first or second chapter of Revelations. There came, there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, Come hither, I will shew thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit into a great and high mountain and shewed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem. This is not stone and marble and ivory and gold. I'm going to show you the Lamb's wife, the Lamb of God's wife, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus' bride. I will show you the, the bride, the Lamb's wife. Having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious. Even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and it had a, and, and had a great wall and high and the twelve gates. And at the gates twelve angels. And all these things, we, we, we've all read it. This is the bride of Christ. This is that body of believers. This is the great city. John was shown. And all I can say is I don't comprehend very much of that. The people talk about heaven and the golden streets and it's going to be this big place. And I, only, I only can go that way a little bit. Because when it says, I'm going to show you the, the bride of Christ, and then he goes on to explain this golden marble and ivory palace and city. That's what he's talking about here when Peter is talking about when he says, we look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Righteousness lives there. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him, of him in peace, without spot and blameless. We can only be found this way, in and through and by, as we sang the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we find fellowship in and around the blood of Christ. An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And we know all the all the writings of, of Paul, beginning with his conversion, and how it was that he was thought he was doing the right thing. We're talking about this at Bible study too, that he thought he was doing the right thing and he was moving along with with power and authority in what he was doing until he met Jesus on the way to Damascus. Jesus asks him, what's happening? How is it you're kicking against the pricks?
Peter mentions Paul and how he how he preached and wrote, wrote so much, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. There again, what I what I started out with, people don't understand this word. In which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. They take this word and they rest it. It says to their own destruction. They fight with it. Luther had a battle too. You read about Luther and, and he says, he writes there that, he says, I see this word as a mighty tree. I have shaken every leaf to wring out the meaning. Every leaf of that tree. All, all the words that are in this Holy Scriptures. He didn't rest it to his own destruction. He read it, he became aware of it. And he asked God, Give me understanding. It says these unlearned and unstable people rest this word. They wrestle with it. They fight with it. And they think they come up with understandings that, that they're, they're satisfied with. It says, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, Beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Hang on to this word. Hang on to forgiveness. Hang on to salvation. Hang on to hope that this word gives us. Hang on to the promises. Let the world go by. Go by you. Don't worry about what they say. Don't worry about what they teach and what they might mock and make fun of this word. Don't worry about that. Hang on to your Lord and Savior. Keep this word close to you. Lest or unless that's what lest means in this case. Unless Ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked. You're overwhelmed by these people that make fun of you. You're overwhelmed by these people that make fun of the word. Don't let that happen. Hang on to faith. Led away with the error of the wicked. Fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace. Talk about promises instruction to us grow in grace grace has been spoken of as unmerited goodness the fullness of God he has every desire to, to give us that and one, man, one man didn't like that word unmerited but he was looking at it from Jesus side and he's perfectly right We haven't merited it, but Jesus has merited it. He has merited salvation. He has done a good work. He has accomplished the work. We have done nothing. We have been given a gift to believe. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Pretty simple, but it's pretty big. Pretty powerful. We sing that song, How Big is God? How big and wide his vast domain. He's big enough to rule his mighty universe, yet small enough to live within my heart. To him, you need Jesus Christ. Be glory both now and forever. Amen. Shall we close?
close with a benediction. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.